When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tied in a young pumpy pseudolum, and he says, I think so now. Be the way they're all going on tonight, is I'm looking for a row. Now listen here, Grace, if you want your face, you better not shout our ball. There's a lot of hard jaws going to be here tonight to respect the ragman's ball. The song The Night of the Ragman's Ball was collected by Colm O'Loughlin from a ballad singer in Thomas Street, Dublin in 1913. He published it in his book Irish Street Ballads. In the introduction to his book, Colm says that of one or two of our songs, it may well be that the authors are still living. So strong the tradition, so true to type are such songs as Bachelor's Walk and The Night of the Ragman's Ball, that it seems almost natural and fitting that no record should remain of their authors. Well, Ash Street was all cobblestones from the top to the bottom of it. And we lived in 37, the kiln. And our front, the front house, the front of the house led out onto the kiln. And the back of it led into Ash Street. And we always had to go into Ash Street to go up to the house. And we lived all, we lived the top, Tommy lived in the top pair front, and my grandmother lived in the fourth pair front in Ash Street. And that's why Tommy wrote the song of the Ragman's Ball. During an hour, he's break from the corporation. He'd go into Tommy when he'd be at his break, and he wouldn't think he'd be minding you, but he'd be writing a song on you. Just pay attention for a while, me good friends, one and all. I sing to you a verse or two about a famous ball. The ball was given by some friends who lived down in Ash Street. In a certain house in the Liberty where the right men were to meet. The names are called at seven o'clock, every man was on the spot. And to show respect to the manager, every right man brought his mutt. Well, I must say this, I brought mine at twenty-five minutes to wait. And the poor stand up with Kieran and Grace to tell me I was too late. Well, there were some great characters in Ashley's and some great neighbours. We had anything you wanted in our streets. We tinkers, tailors, tinsmiths, rope walkers, anything you mentioned, we had it. We talkers and fishermen, we racemen and touts, we had everything in it. We even had houses where they kept girls. But of course, not like now. And the girls went about their business and went, nobody knew anything about them. And any house on the far side of Ashley were all for married couples. And I can tell you there were some characters in that too. Well, now, who, was, who were the Grace family? Who was Kieran Grace? Kieran Grace. Oh, he was there. Uh, he, lived, he lived in the top head, in the top front room. Now, he, there were no trades, you know what I mean? There were only ordinary labourers. No grandeur or no trades or anything like that. Just one big happy family. If your mother had nothing today, if my mother had it, your mother would have it. If your mother was going to have a baby, all of her children would be taken away from her and looked after till she got up on her feet. And there was never a door shut in Ashley's. Everyone was neighbours. If they had a bit of a bust up in the night time, maybe kill one another. They come down and shake hands the next morning, they don't get a point. There was no end in it. 
But you mentioned something about the Grace family and a funeral. Oh, he was a Liberty Hearth man. Kieran Grace. Kieran Grace, the Liberty Hearth man. He used to carry the corpse at last in heaven. And the start was about six in the morning, and they wouldn't land in last until about twelve. Because they'd be stopping at every public house of meat. Taking a jar. At that time, you could get a loop lying for three halfpence, and you'd get a glass for a penny, a point for tuppence. Now me and me uncle Davy come up at a quarter to eight. We were at the shoving a handcart all the way from Dunna Bate. We hadn't a butt to stick in our gut and we landed in Carmen Hall. But there we were sure of a package or two the night of the ripeman's ball. Now up jumps Humpy Soodle Lom and says I think somehow. The way you're going on all the night you're looking for a row. But look here, Grace, if you want your face, you better not shout and ball. There's a lot of hard shots be here tonight to respect the ragman's ball. Oh, Humphrey Susan, he was an old man used to go round, little low-side man with a cap and thing. And when he'd meet you, you'd turn a few hate and sing, and a suitle on my suitle on my suitle. I lost the love of Mary Jane, suitle on my suitle on my suitle. He used to go round singing. Suitle was a man. He wasn't six, he wasn't hardly first for soy. And he was really blocky, a blocky type of a man. And he used to go around gathering rags. And he sat outside of the pubs and he'd sing for the secret to get a couple of coppers. But uh, he, uh, if he got drunk, it used to take six policemen to take him, strange as it seems. And the only time I ever heard his name, his real name, his real name was John Brain. We all sat down some fish and chips and every man was there. And as a part of honour, Billy Bowling took the chair. He swiped the chair and sold it to my school in Carmen Hall and he danced on the face of Carmen Grace the night of the Ragman's Ball. Now says my when you're a queer one and Billy you're hard to beat. When up Jim plays a bowling dance she told her to hold her place. Well my when my the closest her she missed and struck the wall and the two of them went in the ambulance the night of the Ragman's Ball. It mentions in the song that they sat down to fish and chips. They would have bought those. They wouldn't have cooped the fish and chips. No, they wouldn't cook them. They would buy, they'd buy them and where they buy them it'd be Rocker in Thomas Street. Rocker. He was an Italian, a man that size. He was that size. When he'd walk his stomach, he'd walk water's shake it like that. I remember him well. Do you remember him? No, Mary, I don't. Do you know? No, no. Ah, oh, me love I didn't know where Thomas Lee's had come up here. <laughs> I didn't, I always went that way. Well, there was no chip yeah. up there, Shallow. No, he was yeah. the only one. No fish chips shops anywhere. Rocker in Thomas Lee's. And he'd walk like that. He was the one of the and he would just put it in. The Maybe he was The floor was clean that time now, remember? There was no cleaning and things like that. Maybe he was going up to go up. No, it's poor rocker, he said. He might have been going up to go up. And uh, 
You give you a lovely fish and a lo lo load of bear. Now I never knew where Tommy was and the means like to come up to us. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Do you not remember that? No. And how would he give you the, the chips, Mary? He put them into a big lump of paper. The, be the news of the world was a lot of kinds of paper at that time. Now, you know, there was no sanitary or anything like that. Listen, Mary, that shop, Rocket, oh. that would have been there when you were about ten, would it? That'd be... That's right, I'd be about ten. That's right. That'd be the time of the song. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. That's the right, that's right. I'd be about ten year old. And um, he was the only chipper around the facility. No, there was no one else had chips or fish, only rocker. And now, Billy Boland. He was a rag merchant. He owned a marine store on the Kilk. Some of his relations is alive yet, a lot of his relations. And his wife, Liza, they owned a marine store. Just to make the thing a swell affair, we brought some friends we knew. We brought some longer tweely linen, big Dan Kenny too. And a gallon Jack Tar smoked his cigar and slipped coming through the hall. He lost his bag and all, he swagged the night at the ragman's ball. To keep the house alive, me boys, we brought some music too. We brought some Tommy Rollins on his old tin whistle too. He played that night with all his might until the dawn. But we couldn't find many to dance with Dan Kenny the night of the Ragman's Ball. Now, who was Blind Gort Whelan? That, that was a relation with Granny's. He was a cousin of me, Tommy's Gort Whelan. It was a relation with me Granny's sister's son. He used to go down selling little holy pictures. We went to, we went into Belfast one night and he sung the pay for shafts and he got six months for it. <laughs> sung the pay for shafts. And he got six months for it. And when he come up here to visit he hates to go back. He wouldn't go back to Belfast. And who was big Dan Kenny? Oh, Dan was a big man. The bear that beat it like the back. Dan? John was a powerful big man, big John Kenny. Yeah, hard man he was. And what did he work at? He was a, I think he was in the racing business, wasn't he, John? Oh, John was a big man, he always used to come to the hall every day and he'd roll up. You up there, Muddy, Winters. You know what I'm going up for? Come on up, John, he used to say so. And he'd take up the mug and push it into the pot where he'd have all the chickens next by him. And he used to say, look at Muddy, when I get a, a bowl of that soup into me, I'd fight. I'd fight with a brown bummer. <laughs> I was a big man. They were all used to come up in the country in different parts, and then they'd settle in Ashley, you know. they get a house match in the settle, and then they'd be all in the neighbours. We'd everything in Ashley. Yeah. There was chicken people and hen people, and anything you could talk about in Ashley. But now, who was Jack Tarr? Johnny Jack Charles, was just Tommy Haley, they were cool seat. He always had an old swag back. He used to go down and sell them swag. Like if you have token, you know, and he used to call him Jack Charles. Tommy Haley. And what swag? Uh, swag is uh, poly pictures, boot laces, pins, and things that you buy a load of them for a couple of coppers. You go to the street or down to the races selling them. 
And what's Tuggers, is it you say? Tuggers is uh, people go out of a basket car and they go all around the city, out to Kingstown and everywhere, and they knock at the door, and if you've any old clothes that you don't want, you give them for nothing, and if you've anything to sell, they'll buy off you. And that's a fact that some of them selling over here are very comfortable on the hill in Parnell Street. Mm-hmm. The O'Keefe's, they were tuggers. Nearly every... They were all a hard-working family everywhere. They were stick-breakers, sold sticks, sold papers, sold laces and all everything in it. Everyone got a living out of it. And everything was real cheap in it. Yeah, we mentioned Tommy Reynolds. Tommy Reynolds. Uh, he used to sell there. Tommy Reynolds, he did the meat. See, he used to, what's this he used to sell? I think he used to sell fruit. Tommy Reynolds used to sell fruit. I think he used to go down Harkin fruit. That's when they used to go down to Harkin. Oh, no, no, not, no, he was a cockle man. He used to sell cockles. I remember him now. He used to come in the night time, him and another man. And when we'd be in bed, he'd be rolling in the middle of the night, maybe about 12 o'clock, large cocks, large cocks. And when we'd hear him, my granny used to say, that's a boo man. And we'd very much he's waiting for a head on the clothes. He used to sell in the middle of the night, he used to sell the cockles, basket on his head. Tommy loved his cockle man. And it mentions in the song that he, he brought along his tin whistle. Yeah. He played the tin whistle. Right, he didn't play anything, anything. If you mix all your spells and whistle, mix all your spells, put it all around the floor and the only children with, don't get me a penny tin whistle. And you got a penny tin whistle, we'd be out there nearly playing the tin whistle and trying to play it really knows. Well, for Aiden, we had plenty as much as we could hold. We drank Brady's new flame porter till around the floor we rolled. In the midst of all the confusion, someone shouted for a song. And up jumped Madden Lobbin and sang, keep rolling your bottle along. That place where they bought the porter, that was in France, but they used to go to the favourite on the kiln, Lousy Head. Mr. Jolan, but they used to call him Lousy Head. He used to go into him for a, a loop line. And then there were Christmas, if you were all the year round with him, if it Christmas you'd get a present off him. Well, the men would look for the whiskey, a pint of whiskey. But the women, they'd take up more to they didn't get a pint of whiskey in the makings of a pudding. <laughs> That's when a gill of bottle was only a penny. Now, when you mention the loop line, what are you talking about? The loop line is a three halfpenny point. You're going to get a point, it used to be two, two pence, but when you go in, you get one a loop line for three havens. Loop line poker. They sold it in that public house in fantasy, that's where they used to work. That was Brady's? Yes, a loop line poker. And that's where they got it that night that's at the Ragman's Ball? That's where they got it at the Ball. Ball. Did you ever drink it yourself? Never in my life. I never smoked. It didn't taste any different to normal porter, it was just cheap. No, it was just the same. The only thing is it wouldn't be a good head on it, you know. But many times I brought the loop line again, we went to my, going, my grandfather's lunch. That time when they'd be getting their dinner, you could bring their dinner to the man walk. And they'd go into an old hall and sit down, they'd be knocking down the house, you know. And we often went in and sat down and had, uh, ate somewhere with a bowl with him. And we give him the three havens, say, my granny said, here, that's your for your loop line and that's your penny for your bit of tobacco. Do you know how the name came about? Did you ever hear anything about that? No, I don't know how the name came about. Now, you remember the loop line porter. What was that, Frank? Well, I'll tell you, that was a 
three hands a point. Over on the butt bar. It was called the butt bar. Over on Aiden Cay. Over there. I often drank it myself. Go in and get a point for three hands. That was the butt bar. They were called the loop line because of the loop going over from Patricia. The loop line railway. Railway. Now, that's why it was called the loop line. And did it taste any different to other porter? No, it was better than the porter you're drinking now. Oh, man, you get that. You wouldn't be able to lift a tumbler that way. If you were lifting up your point, you'd have to slide it off. It, the partner was so the the the, the, the what's it to call it? The, uh, it, was, it was so powerful that it was like varnish. What what used to come down off of the point that froth? used to go onto the table. And they all had mahogany tables in them days, and mahogany counters in them days. Well, the students would come along and they'd wipe the, with the cloth. And the more they'd wipe that with the, it, the more it was like varnish going onto the mahogany. Oh, man, that'd be glittering. It used to polish up glittering. But that was great part in them days. Marvellous pottery. You wouldn't get a point like it now. So when the war came, nothing happened to change it until about 1915. But a lot of the publicans in the poorer area reduced the price of the drink to, practically speaking, uneconomic factors of living. And they were called loop liners. And I very well remember Corcoran's and Art King Street because he was in a very low way. His sons afterwards um, bought Dangler's Rest in Knockmaroon. They've only recently, about uh, 20 years ago, left it in Knockmaroon. But um, there was another one, uh, had a son, a very pleasant young priest afterwards in Abbey Street. That was another pub which was a loop liner. And the loop liner was simply a pub that sold us at, I think, a penny or a halfpenny cheaper per pint, plain and double X. And they had such an enormous sale that when the war continued and Guinness rationed and the big pubs with all the influence of, uh, influx of thousands of British soldiers here for training in the Marlborough barracks and the Royal barracks, and Beggar's Bush and all the rest of it, that the drink was well nigh unobtainable. The brewery, as they called it, Guinness or Darcy's, wouldn't give more than the given quota. And the result is the men doing the big business would descend on the like of Corcoran and North, Con or North King Street or this man in Abbey Street, who I'll tell you his name later when I find it out and offer them up to two and three pounds, I think, a keg or a tierce or whatever it was. And suddenly the prices of pubs began to soar, and that was the first lift. But that they were called loop liners. But they existed long before the war. 
I think a halfpenny on the uh, pint of plain and a penny on the pint of Guinness, cheaper than any other place. And that was a big amount of money then. And how many loop liners would there have been in Dublin? Well, uh, what I... What percentage of, of public houses? Fortunately or unfortunately, I think my father was a very <laughs> knowledgeable person on that line. And he reckoned there was about 24 of them at the trial. And what's the relationship between the Loop Line Bridge and the Loop Line Port? I never heard any association between the two with the Loop Line. Never. Never. I didn't. But um, the Loop Liner, uh, for a man who cuts a price, I think it's a very reasonable name for him, isn't it? Huh? A Loop Liner? So maybe they call the bridge after the loop liners instead of <laughs> 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 the bridge. Ah, <laughs> uh, Port Elton Levin, yeah. Uh, he used to play the concertina, that what you call it? Yeah, the concertina, that what you call them things, concertina. Not no, not a melodeon. Yeah. You know, the small round piece to play that. And he used to sing all his songs. And the tans used to come round and knock the stuff out and give him a few digs. Well, he'd go into a pub. And he'd look round, he'd be one beside him, what could be the other side, and he'd say, I wouldn't wash my feet and that stuff. He wouldn't drink more than whiskey. He'd have a small whiskey. Don't love him. He sang all over his songs. And the tans knocked out on him many times, they milled him, you know. Why was he called Dunlavin? He came from Dunlavin. In County Wicklow? Yeah, that's how he was called Dunlavin. And would he march up and down the street singing? No, he sang outside the pubs playing too, in different places, you know. And uh, then, he, when I only collect a few bob or whatever it be, he'd go in, 11 minutes of small whiskey was then. He'd go in and he'd get the small whiskey, 11 minutes of point of stouts and 11 minutes of small whiskey, playing for those aims. Did you ever hear any yarns about him or funny stories about him? Not about Don Lava, no. No. That's all I now remember. Where he lived, I don't even know. I don't think he, he ever lived in any place. Slept in halls. Them days, you know, they were all sleeping in halls all around, all them poor characters. Used to go around sleeping halls then, and the people in the house would give them the cup of tea for their breakfast. He wore an old soft hat and an old dust coat, don't love him. He was a fairly, fairly tall man. All over his songs. And who was Don Lavin? He was a man who used to go all around the country with a melodeon. And that was the first song he used to sing, We Are the Boys of Waxworks, with Fast was Hard in Hand. That was the first big John Lavin, and he had the top coat, and I think it was on it from the time he was christened. And the trilby hat. Great Irish man, supposed to be a great Irish man. Play his, his melodeon going around John Lavin. And they were all at the Ragman's Every ball? Every one of them was at it, every one of them. At the Ragman's Ball. Well, Tommy wrote it. There we all sat down to some ham parings and everything was quiet. I must say for broken noses we had a lovely night. Black eyes were there and great a man, not to mention split heads at all. So anyone wants to commit suicide, let them come to the Ragman's Ball. Well now, Miss Byrne, what was the Ragman's Ball? The Ragman's Ball was all about the neighbours and Ashley's. All about that. It was all about the liberty. Nobody else, no one in the Ragman's Ball was a stranger. Everyone in them was in the, belonged to liberty and lived in the liberty. And it actually took place? It actually took place there. And what was it, a party or a... Holy? It was a party, Hooley the Gave. 
And one of the little two-story houses in Ashley's, they gave the party. Them was the houses I was telling you going to belong to, all along the side of Ashley's. And what, what was Tommy's full name? Thomas Winters. And could you tell me a bit about Tommy? Tommy's only going to tell you about Tommy. Tommy's a devil for playing jokes on people. A great love music, love life. Tom did. He should be sitting down and he'd write a song on you. And he's a lovely piano player. He could play piano with his feet. Tom was a great music. All for life, Tom was. He's a hard chicken, Tom was. He was a great man for falling in sports, boxing and everything. There was a fight one night in the, in the Olympia with Johnny Corden. Johnny Corden was a boxer. And during the fight, the fella failed him. And my uncle Tommy jumped from the gallery of the Olympia onto the, onto the ring. And his father-in-law was sitting in the crowd. And when he came home, he said, well, Johnny Corden was failed in the fight tonight, but there's some effort needed, whoever he was. And if he's not dead, I don't know what to say. He jumped from the Olympia, the gallery onto the foot then, and there's Tommy. He stood in love. He didn't know. But then when the elections had come around, the aldermen actually to go in the gang on Kevin Street, New Street. Well, let's hang out a dummy from one side of the, the street to the other and let's stuff it. Well, if Rasha Burden was going up or Johnny Swain, the councillors, there'd be again one another to get into the corporation. And Tommy used to go down canvassing for the voting. And if you knock your judge on the before the office would be open in the morning, even if you're in your skinny drag, you'd vote for them. Once he'd be going for them. Well, one night they had a big rally, you know, to have it in the middle of New Street, where the fountain was. Not there now, but there was a fountain there. And during the time they were going on, they had torches and tin cans with uh, turf and oil on it. And some of them tried to set forth to Tommy. <laughs> But he was a terrible character now. He used to do terrible things, even on my grandmother. Tommy was in the First World War. He left his car outside the recruiting office. He joined them. He worked in the Clendon Department of Dublin Corporation. And in 1915, coming home from work, he left his car outside the recruiting office and went in and joined up. And we had an old dog, the name of Magzo. And she was always with Tommy. And she brought the car back to White Horse Yard. And when Tommy was killed in 1916, she was killed on the Coombe car about two weeks after. What were wakes and funerals like? Oh, just a hell of a week. A hell of a week, it was. In the olden times, I often heard them saying before I was born that we had a Liberty Hairsman, the name of uh, Colonel Grace. And if you couldn't afford to pay for the cab or to bring the corpse at last in heaven, well, he'd done the Liberty House, man. They'd done the carrion. They'd leave the house at six o'clock in the morning with the corpse, and they'd land about 12 outside the last in heaven gate. And I need tell you, going along, the corpse would be left out of side of a few public houses, and they'd have a few scoops. Even if it was only a 380 loop liner, they'd have it. And then when they come home from the funeral, it'd be a holy. They always believed in giving them a great send-off. And did you ever hear them talk of playing games with the wakes? <coughs> Spin the bottle and dab a fish. Oh, that's just bad. But before my time when there used to be wakes, that's where many a couple met, met one another and got married. 
because everyone will be dressed up in that vest and it used to be a terrible way to be a sing song, be like a hooli. And that's where a good many of them picked up with their husbands and got married. It was a comic. Same fit, but same actually. When you go into the way where there was a carp, you'd have to shake the holy water and take the pinch of snuff. As the old people used to say, the snuff uh, was recognised as the clay that you were going down into, and the holy water was a speed home. And you mentioned earlier about uh, burial in Ballyfermot, where Ballyfermot is now. At that time, there was anyone that couldn't afford to pay for a grave, they used to bring them out to Bally Farm, a place called Bally Farm, they used to call it that time, and they bring them out, they go out the day before and dig the grave, and the next morning they go out and bring the grave. If it was a child, it was put over the wall, and if it was a person, the gate would be open, the gate would be forced open to let them in. And there used to be, it would be a hooli then. The very minute that they'd ask, where's the, the weight coming from? If they said they kill them off Mash Street, and all the pubs are closed down. Of course, they used to do a bit of rooneying in it. And what was that, rooneying? Rooneying, they'd go in and they'd call for the drink, and they'd be waiting to see who was going to pay for it. And if they couldn't afford pay for it, everyone them walked out. The man never got anything. Oh, come all you party panelites from Cork Street and the Coombe. If you'll pay attention for a while, I'll tell you very soon. I'd like to sing a comic song and I'll make no mistake. It's not about the right man's ball, it's all about his wake. Now you've all heard tell of a right man's ball, it was a funny sight. When one guy got stretched out through interfering in the fight. We went around collecting a subscription for to make, and we bought him a second-hand coffin, boys, just to respect his wake. Now we sent out invitations to the neighbours near and far. We sent for Big John Kelly, Blind Guard Whalen and Jack Tarr. We sent for Moscow Conroy and her friend to bake some cake. For the boys they all felt hungry on the night of the right man's wake. Now for eatables we had plenty, we'd have parings and pig's feet. We had spare ribs and knuckle bones, pig's cheeks from towns and streets. Dan Kelly, he got hungry and he started on the cake. He got struck on the nose with a pig's cheek bone on the night of the ragman's wake. Now there were buckets of loop-line porter, it came from a well-known spot. Fair Lanigan was the disher out, assisted by his mot. Some tried to come the double event, sure it hadn't cost a make. 
for every thing was got on the slate, for then I'll the right man's wake. Now Susan started to sing a song that night in stately room. And against the rules he started a song called Sailing in My Balloon. Well, he only had a first verse song when Callaghan, the well-known rake, sent him sailing through the window on the night of the ragman's wake. Now, up stood Paul O'Feeney, he considered himself a brick. He wanted to borrow an umbrella to play the three-card trick. When someone showed that man is mad, torn out or his neck will break, does he think he's on the Baldoyle race course instead of a poor man's wake? Now the boys lay down to have a snooze, they slept with their clothes on. And when they awoke the following morn, they found the corpse had gone. So they went through all their pockets and the contents of them to take. And he had virtues for a few more hard chores to go to a right man's wake. <laughs> and who was Fair Lanigan? He was a chucker, he was the hander out of the loop line porter and his mat. Lanigan? I don't remember him now. Of course, I suppose I knew him, but I didn't remember. He's all dead, so now. Jesus, I must be over 60 years dead. Yeah. How long has my uncle Tommy dead? Since 1916. I tell you, that's a good space in that now, isn't that? And actually, she's also been well raffled with that. Here in, in, uh, in 1917, the start of Knockerdown, and they were scattered everywhere. Some of them went to that down to as far as Ring's End and over the Creighton Street and all. The singer of the Ragman's Wake, 85-year-old Frank Augusta, was born near Creighton Street. He remembers how he got the song. They were going round the pub selling them in pamphlets, you know, leaflets. Well, they were selling them for a halfpenny each. And I bought one of them. And how long ago was that? Oh, that'd be about... Oh, it'd be over 70 years ago. I was very young at the time. And do you remember the characters in the song? Who was Fair Lanigan? Well, Fair Lanigan was a publican at the corner of Moss Street. <coughs> do you know when you go down Moss Street on the left-hand side? Well, his pub was there on the corner there. And all the jockers used to assemble there in, in that pub. And they'd be drinking and talking, and then they'd end up in a row and they'd take off their coats, come out into the street. There was Zaddlers in it, Zaddler ladies, and they'd be stuck into it. <coughs> they used to take their shirts and all off and get out of it and have a set to. Well, there was a fountain there on the corner of Mossley. And between Mossley and uh, Pool Bay Street. And this night I was going by, there was a row out of Jewish went over the pub. And your man makes a bell, Tendler Senate, makes a lunge at your man. 
and in getting hit him, he hit the top of the fountain with his fist, and he put the fountain, the big organs up flowing down the street. Now, there were terrible heavy men, good men that time. Their fist was like iron. Because they worked so hard that they're taking in the coal boat. You he, know. he hit fellow Feeney, did he? Huh? Was it fellow Feeney you mentioned there? Yes. And who was fellow Feeney? Well, I never knew Feeney personally, you know. I only knew the names around the neighbourhood. That's all I knew about them. And who was Calligan, the well-known rake? Well, he he was he lived in uh, he lived in Pill Bank Street. He was married, and he lived in Pill Bank Street. And he's dead and gone. Butsy Calligan, that's what they call him. Butsy. Now, do you remember ballad singers in the area? Yes, I do. Remember Marianne, Marianne McGaldy. Marianne Hazen. She was a ballad singer. She used to sing Mick McGilligan throughout her Marianne. And uh, that was her story. She's a child and she's a daisy and she's everybody crazy. But fully on arms of Irish love was Marianne Malone. That was one, two of her ballad singers. And then there was another ballad singer who used to sing with her, he used to play the banjo. The name of uh, Mac uh, Macaroni. She used to play a ballad singer. She used to play a melodium. Or a, uh, a banjo. And then there was the Royalties. They were, fam they were famous banjo players. One of them was coming home from England and got, went down with the Titanic. Chrissy Royley. But of course she survived. She was saved. But she went down with the Titanic. And would Tommy give a song like the Ragman's Ball to the ballad singers? Tom wrote any ballad, any ballad ever Tom wrote, he gave to all the ballad singers. Because at that time they used to sing in the street for the ballads for a couple of coppers. And if he wrote the song in the morning, he was going to walk, if he seen anyone he knew that, that sang ballads, he gave it to them. He gave away all his ballads. Lovely ballads he wrote. Because as I said before, if he, be, if he was alive now, he'd be a millionaire. Colm O'Loughlin, in his notes to the song The Night of the Ragman's Ball, states that the Dublin printer Arago, who printed the song as a broadsheet ballad over 70 years ago, was persecuted by the notabilities mentioned in it, many of whom demanded largesse. Mrs Byrne remembers this. They come up complaining to me granny about him, and the woman that nursed him, Michael Conroy, when she went up, she said, she was sitting at the table, and she walked in, she was rolling and crying, she said, God forgive you, Tommy. And he looked at her, see what's wrong with your mazo? And she said, oh, God forgive you, I never thought you'd make little of me. So said, yeah, I'm only making you famous, ain't I, putting your name on a song. And then Mrs. Boland and her husband, they come up to fighting my granny over it. And my grandfather said, let them, what about them? Should have become famous.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.